0: Welcome back to the program. Spies and covert agents are by their very nature required to live lives of secrecy. So when some spies, for whatever reason, become household names like Aldra James or Kim Philby or Robert Hansen, it's always a big deal. In 2003, the outing of covert CIA operative Valerie Plame by columnist Robert Novak brought an end to her CIA career. But it also brought all of us, in ways not seen since the Cold War, into better harmony with the symbiotic relationship that exists between politics, espionage, and government bureaucracy. The outing of Plame triggered a political scandal that would truly make her the spy who came in from the cold. But now, ten years later, Valerie Plame is back, this time masquerading as Vanessa Pearson in her new novel, Blowback. It is my pleasure to welcome Valerie Plame to the program to talk about Blowback. Valerie, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's uh, so disheartening to hear my name in the same lineup as uh, Ames or Philby or Hanson, but uh, through, through uh, no
0: actions of my own. And really it speaks to the nature of our fascination, I suppose, with spycraft, the work of spycraft, that when those names do surface, for whatever reason that we are in- inherently fascinated by that. And I suppose it goes back to World War II and even the Cold War days. Talk a little bit about the way in which, even in your career, in-, in your time working for the CIA, that you've seen the way spycraft as a business has changed so dramatically.
1: Well, first of all, I think that there is a fascination with espionage, particularly in this day and age, for a couple reasons. One, I think the notion that anyone keeps something private or quiet in this age of explosive social media and way too much oversharing Mm -hmm. is sort of an anomaly. And uh, certainly pop culture has uh, played on that, everything from Bond uh, to now we have Homeland and Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, I you know, until as nations we all hold hands and sing, uh, having a strong intelligence service, I believe, is really critical to our national security, uh, and it complements diplomatic overtures. One thing that hasn't changed over the years is still the absolute need for human intelligence, uh, despite all the technological Advances and advantages that we have from, uh, from satellites uh, that can read license plates to, uh, now, we now know in fact how, how, uh, how expensive the NSA is in our communications. Despite all that, what, what still plays such an important role is actually gaining someone's trust, speaking to them, that one-on-one human contact.
0: Talk a little bit about that in the context of truth and honesty that's inherent in all of that. Look, Correa used to talk about the business of spycraft, particularly during the Cold War, as existing in some kind of a moral twilight.
1: Um, I personally had no moral qualms about what I was doing. I developed an expertise and focused on nuclear proliferation. So the folks that I was chasing were terrorists or uh, rogue operators uh, that sought to uh, obtain nuclear technology or nuclear weapon. So in my mind, uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things perhaps that intelligence services should not be doing, but for something like that, the CIA is the best place to go after these nuclear proliferators. And I love, I love my career. I was really proud to serve my country.
0: In the 10 years since you left the CIA and when you sat down to create Vanessa Pearson and, and write Blowback, talk about the change, if any, in perspective that, that you've had looking back on this from, from a point of view 10 years later.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years since my identity was betrayed by the Bush administration and uh, honestly, it took me a few years to come to terms with that. Uh, from being truly a private person to literally overnight being a public persona, I found it. Uh, I think I was in shock actually for a while. And uh, it, it, we went through both my husband and I went through tremendous. Uh, went through the Washington Ringer with the whole partisan scandal. Swirling about, uh, and a couple years ago we moved from Washington D.C. to New Mexico, where we are now, and we we rebuilt our personal lives and professional lives. Uh, I did Fair Game, which was a, a memoir, which is really more sort of a catharsis of what happened, <laughs> and uh, for me, and then uh, my publisher, same publisher, David Rosenthal, who's now with Penguin, approached me about possibly doing a fictional series and that's where blowback was born and it's been a heck of a lot more fun to write and to undertake than what I did with fair game
0: and of course you didn't all, you didn't have the problem of large portions of blowback being redacted by the CIA
1: yes happily i the, i submitted uh blowback as i had to have to do with all my writing to the CIA pre-publication review, and happily they understood that it was fictionalized, although uh, I've worked hard, along with my co-author, Sarah Lovett to make it as realistic as possible, because uh, I do a lot of eye-rolling when I see <laughs> how the CIA, and in particular, female uh, ops officers, are portrayed. It's ridiculous.
0: Talk a little bit about those things that, that you were really focused on to make sure that that blowback and the character of Vanessa Pearson were, were real, that had that, that authenticity.
1: Well, everything from uh, genuine details of spycraft, whether that's uh, how to communicate with someone clandestinely, how to meet someone moving in and out of countries, and the interplay with your colleagues at CIA. Uh, I worked really hard to make that realistic, and also to have uh, Vanessa Pearson is is um, much stronger, has flaws, but is not. She's not a victim. She is not highly sexualized. Uh, she doesn't uh, collect intelligence with guns, and uh, I tried. Sarah and I both tried to make it a, a, a rich, a much more rich and complicated portrait of uh, Ops Officer.
0: Is there a danger on the other side that, that as you've talked about, that so much of, of spycraft and, and the work that you did is, is waiting around, sort of waiting for things to happen, that if you're too authentic, it's almost dull by comparison?
1: It would be. I mean, you cannot put all that waiting time in there, whether you're at a park or in a restaurant or you go down a rabbit hole and there's nothing there, uh, because that real intelligence work work is is creative, but it takes time, and uh, you follow up a lot of empty leads.
0: Talk a little bit also about responsibility. It's true of of the character you've created in Vanessa Pearson and also some of the things you've talked about in in Fair Game, this sense of responsibility for assets that that you bring in, people whose lives come in contact with yours and that you take responsibility for.
1: Well, thank goodness I never lost any assets, and Vanessa Pearson unfortunately does. Uh, But even... If you don't particularly like your assets and some, they're not, not, they're not nice people sometimes, they are trusting you to protect them and not to put their family in jeopardy. And, uh, that is really drummed into your head. That is really of paramount importance that you, you take care of these assets, uh, uh, and make sure that they are kept safe because their intelligence and who they are uh, is is really important?
0: From your own perspective, how has it been different leading a very public life since the the scandal in 2003, and and even more public now as as an author out promoting your book, etc., as opposed to the life you led that was very covert and and very secretive.
1: <laughs> very different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's as I said, it's taken me some time to get used to that idea. But uh over the last few years, as I realized I could use my public voice to speak about things for which I'm passionate, whether it's global zero and nuclear proliferation or whether it's public school reform in New mexico uh, or you know or other things in my community uh to be able to use that voice and People maybe pay attention. Well, then, okay. I mean, it's, it's not a natural state of being for me, for sure.
0: As you discover now that there are, particularly as a result of the privatization of an awful lot of espionage, that there are over a million people out there with top secret security clearance. How does that make you feel in, in terms of the way you protected and dealt with secrets that you had?
1: Well, I think it's outrageous. Uh Since 9-11, the intelligence community has absolutely bloomed, and I I don't believe that it's kept us any more safe, really. When you have 60 to 70% of the intelligence budget going toward contractors, uh, there's a question of, well, a lot of people leave uh, to go into the private sector, and, you know, after the government has already put tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, into their training and their experience. Uh, there's that. There's a question of if things go south, who are these contractors ultimately loyal to, uh, the corporation that writes their check or their, or their country? Uh, and it is absolutely a, a, vast, uh, a vast machine that no one person can get their arms around The Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper, last week was making dire warnings that the government shutdown would have uh, terrible consequences for national security. And while I understand how any chief of a bureaucracy is always fighting for more people and more money, because that's just the nature of bureaucracy, uh, I have to wonder, um, I've seen several articles, uh, and I follow this closely, The intelligence community is so big and there's so much information that, in fact, it might make the whole process and mission of trying to keep us safe and of counterterrorism in particular more difficult.
0: Does that also argue, in a way, for greater emphasis on electronic intelligence and, and the kind of information that we've certainly heard a lot about lately with respect to the NSA And does it take the emphasis off the kind of human intelligence that you were talking about earlier and that we all talked about we needed more of in the wake of 9-11?
1: Well, obviously I have a bias having come out of human intelligence background, uh, but I still believe that there is a great deal of value there. Uh, that one-on-one contact that cannot, uh, that, that cannot be replaced by anything else. Well, it's true. Electronic communications and what the NSA is doing is picking up a lot of those networks and the uh, the different contacts and links between those that are seeking to do us harm. Actually, infiltrating these groups, understanding the culture, what they're coming out of. Uh, that only happens from uh, intelligence officers on the ground meeting these people and uh, finding out what is their motivation, and perhaps more importantly, getting them to uh, provide intelligence to the United States.
0: Should there be a better nexus, or maybe there has of late, a better nexus between all of the technology, all of the things that enable the NSA to do what it's doing, and and combining that in a more effective way with the work that covert agents, the work that people like you are doing on the ground with respect to human intelligence? Can these things be meshed together in a better and more effective way?
1: Yes, I think it starts with the enormous size. Um, after nine eleven 11 and the 9-11 Commission put together the Director of National Intelligence, which is like this super strata over all these 16 to 17 different intelligence gathering agencies, including the CIA. It is that There are so many contractors out there as well. Um, to truly reform that and the NSA, uh, just having a commission of sort of insiders, insiders, is not adequate. You need to have people that are highly critical of the system and understand it together with those insiders and say, how do we make this much more effective uh, bigger is not necessarily better. We have thrown a ton of money, billions of dollars at everything related to homeland security. And uh, I was just in Washington, D.C., where that town is booming. And it's booming because of the money that is just flowing into all the uh, post-9-11, uh, I would argue, overreaction. Uh and you know that's nice for the washington d c economy, but whether it actually how far it goes to keeping us safer and how effective it is rather than bureaucracy simply feeding on themselves uh and they're you know making sure that their own existence continues um you know i uh, I think that uh, a vast overhaul and and significantly reducing Uh, the actual numbers would be well worthwhile.
0: The other side of that, the corollary problem, is one that you experience that within bureaucracies that power struggles result in in an awful lot of collateral damage to people that are in those organizations.
1: Of course, (laughs) that that does happen. Uh, Bureaucracies have a tendency uh, to do that, to simply be single-minded in their own uh, continued existence uh, and it is, as I said, so big now. I was really taken two, maybe three years ago, Dana Priest, who is a writer for the Washington mm-hmm. Post, a uh, uh, highly decorated journalist, wrote Top Secret America, where she talks about what the, the boom after 9-11 and the millions of feet of office space that have gone up around Washington. Uh, uh, that are somehow related to Homeland Security and the, and it's, uh, it's ultimately detrimental to us, uh, and our democracy. It, uh, and, you know, now we, uh, the, over the last few months as we have seen the revelations unfold about the NSA the, from Snowden, uh, and the secrecy that has been involved in terms of the opinions, the fight the court and so forth, and the extensive reach that NSA has into our private lives, we really do need to have this conversation on the on the appropriate balance between security and privacy.
0: As someone that was on the inside, are you surprised at all at the the sort of shrugging of shoulders to most of the Snowden revelations? I mean, the general reaction among the public mm-hmm. might have been surprise initially, but beyond that, it's really been kind of who cares. Well,
1: I think there's a couple reasons for that. One is that we have become accustomed to voluntarily giving up so much of our privacy from uh online marketers from Amazon on down that routinely pop up in our email mm-hmm. saying, well, you bought these shoes, you'll really <laughs> love these sandals, uh, to, uh, you know, find my friend app, where is everyone? Uh, we've given so much away already, and people tend to shrug and go, well, you know, I'm not a terrorist. You know, I, I don't care what the government has. Well, they're not thinking about the second, third, or fourth steps beyond that. What if you have an overzealous prosecutor? What if you have political chicanery, which my husband, Joe Wilson, and I know a little something about? (laughs) Uh, What if you have, uh, you know, that huge super data center in the Utah uh, area, uh, Utah desert, that finds that maybe you're three links away from a sus- suspect terrorist that you have no idea about, and you get a knock on your door I, and the the potential for abuse is so enormous that we we really right now everyone is very uh concentrated of course as they should be on the on the government shutdown and the debt limit uh fight uh, that ceiling that is looming but this is an issue that is just as important and uh, we need to really <laughs> have this converse, a robust conversation
0: Is it your hope that as this series continues and blowback is the first of, of what you I'm sure hope will be a very long series of Vanessa Pearson novels, is it your hope to deal with some of these issues to use these novels as a way to get at some of these issues we need to be talking about?
1: I hope so. Um, the, the blowback, the central premise, is wrapped around a uh, secret Iranian nuclear facility, uh, something that I worked on back in the day, and it continues to be of grave importance, uh, having a nuclear Iran or any country, this, as I spoke about, the proliferation of nuclear weapons, so to be able to use a fictional novel to portray not only a more realistic portrait of a female house officer, but also bring to the forefront uh, some of these issues of national security in a way that people want to read, okay, you know, I, I'll, I'll do my best.
0: <laughs> Valerie Plame, her new book is Blowback, a Vanessa Pearson novel. Valerie, I thank you so much for spending time with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.